Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? I'm Kyle Clay Richards, and welcome to Underdog Mentality. It's the sports podcast where we tackle unique topics by looking between the numbers at the human side of the game. Boy, I tell you what, it's a good time to be alive. We have all five of the major sports on TV all at the same time. You know, we've got uh, week seven just finished up in the NFL. The NBA just tipped off. It's like game four, game five in the regular season, depending on what game you're watching. You got postseason baseball starting tonight with game one of the World Series between the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros. Uh, You also have the hockey season. Uh, usually you say something like, you know, basketball is like tipping off. You tip it off, and then football is you kick it off. What is it for hockey? You slap it off? Slap shot it off? I don't know. But that started, and I saw the Seattle Kraken had their first home game, their inaugural home game in Seattle. That's pretty cool situation over there. Their arena, very cool, what they've got going on with the whole uh, uh, zero carbon emissions or something like that. That's pretty sweet. I guess I should say their goal is to be carbon zero. I think that's a good goal to have. That's a very Seattle thing to be kind of doing over there. So good for them. And then, of course, we have soccer. And I'm not going to lie, I, I love playing soccer. I've played, you know, adult co-ed leagues. I, I played growing up. But I don't follow soccer like like that. You know, I'm used to playing FIFA and, and playing as Brazil because they were the best back in the 90s and the 2000s when I had FIFA. That's not to say that I don't think it's a, a special sport and it has good things about it. Because um, I, I do believe there are. Just I don't watch it enough to really talk about it actively. Anyways, I digress. All the sports are on TV. It's a good time to be alive. My fantasy football teams, eh not doing so hot you know i've got one i'm i'm leading the league that i'm the commissioner of which makes me feel like all the people in the league you know think it's rigged obviously it's not the case i just got lucky one time i mean if you're in multiple leagues there's a chance you're going to do well and one of them happens to be the one that i run i have like losing records in both of the other ones i'm like one in six in one league Ugh. and then i'm like two and five in another and i just i just can't get it together i came out hot undefeated and then now i'm just defeated all the way around except for the one league feeling pretty good about that one. Oh man what else is going on in the world uh well i guess i could say that i'm working four tens this week so that i can have friday off i'm also going to work four tens next week so i can have monday off because me and a few friends are going to take a trip up to northern idaho to go watch the vandals play their first exhibition game in the new iccu arena i am so stoked for that you have no idea i have like a uh, an attraction to that that wood building they made with the rolling hills of the Palouse uh, on the roof line and all that. It's pretty sweet. Also going to catch a football game the next day. Um, all in the meantime, you know, we're going to be hitting up our favorite restaurants from back in the day when we went to school there. Uh, go to our favorite bars, have our favorite drinks, see our favorite bartenders, assuming they still work there. Which I don't know if that's sad or cool that we could go back and have them recognize us. Um, <laughs> Either way, it's going to be a really great trip. We're going to leave early Friday morning, get there Friday afternoon, get some dinner, go catch the basketball game, and and then see what's going on after that, catch the football game the next day. Really excited. Have a whole day of just relaxing on Sunday. Maybe check out the Arboretum, see all the the fall colors. Moscow is gorgeous. If you've never been up to Moscow and checked out the University of Idaho campus, whether you're an alum, you know, I mean, if you're an alum, obviously you've been there. Uh, if you went to the school up in Moscow, but um, if you've never been and you're not even a part of the school or affiliated, you should just check it out. The campus is gorgeous. And you got to see the Arboretum in the fall time. It's one of my favorite places to go. But anyways, we've got a great episode for you. Uh, recording this one on a Tuesday, a little bit ahead of time because of the trip happening on Friday. 
but going to talk a little bit about that that uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan that really made out on on the deal where he gave the ball back so that the NFL could take that 600 touchdown football to Canton, Ohio for Tom Brady. Um, obviously, Tom Brady breaking the record for, uh, you know, first quarterback to ever hit 600 touchdowns. That's pretty sweet. So they had to negotiate with this guy. We'll talk about that a little bit. And then I want to talk about, you know, with the World Series going on and the Houston Astros, you know, a lot of people hate them. And I want to talk about cheating in sports and just how, how uh, wrong that is. So let's go ahead and jump right into this episode seven of the underdog mentality. Let's go. Okay, let me paint you a little word picture here for Tom Brady's 600th touchdown pass. They're on the nine yard line. They're in the red zone and they line up. It's a passing play for sure. Tom Brady's in the shotgun. It's third and seven. They need to convert on the two-yard line to get a first down so they can have four plays to go for a touchdown. Uh, well, you know Tom Brady goes for the kill every single time. He has Mike Evans on the right-hand side. He runs a quick slant from the right, and he just goes slightly in, catches the ball, crosses the goal line, touchdown number 600, okay? He drops the ball. He's about to go celebrate. And all throughout this game, uh, Mike Evans was, like, giving balls away. It's pretty funny. Uh, and this one happened to be the one that was Tom Brady's 600th. So he drops the ball. He's about to go celebrate, and he goes back and grabs the ball. He's like, oh, I'm going to give this one away. So he goes over to the cre- to, to the fans, gives it away. Tom Brady's walking towards him like he's going to stop him, sort of, and he doesn't. And he just, you know, Mike Evans comes back. Tom Brady gives him a handshake, and they go back to the bench, not really thinking too much of it. I mean, Tom Brady probably knows that was his 600th. But Mike Evans, however, did not know that. I think I saw in a replay, the equipment guy goes over to Mike Evans on the bench and he's like, hey, that was Tom's 600th. And he's like, what? I gave it away. You can see it on his face. He's just like, oh no, I did something bad. <laughs> well, somebody goes over to the fan who he gave the ball to and is about to start bartering with him like, hey, we need to get that ball back. It's going to Canton, Ohio to the NFL Hall of Fame. And the NFL fan, like, I don't know what happened, what what was exchanged there, but he gave the ball back, basically giving up all of his leverage that he had to negotiate to get to you know get that ball back to them. And I see people in the Twitter mentions basically saying like they should just give him the ball. It's common courtesy, and it's like, well, no, because if he just gives them the ball, then the next fan is going to be like, oh, if I keep it, then they're really going to have to give me something for it. So it makes a lot of sense to get something for it. I mean, the Buccaneers and, you know, their personnel and their players should understand how much value that ball has, and they should probably compensate that fan accordingly given the situation. Had Mike Evans not given the ball away, they wouldn't have to worry about that. But it's kind of a cool situation where it's like this fan now gets to share in the history of Tom Brady's 600th touchdown, which is something that may never be surpassed. I mean, there's only... A couple quarterbacks that I feel like could have done it in recent memory, and that would be Drew Brees and like Peyton Manning. Uh, And Drew Brees, you know, Tom Brady's just kind of surpassed all of his records this year, it seems like. And, you know, I could be inaccurate on that, but the one that he does hold is the 600th touchdown. Well, anyways, in the beginning, I heard that this fan was only given like $1,000 of in-store credit. And I was like, wow, that's, that's it? I feel like that ball is worth a lot more than that. Well, he got a lot more than that. So let's talk about it. So, for Tom Brady's 600th touchdown ball given to a fan for Mike Evans, said fan received $1,000 to the Bucks team store. So, he did get the $1,000 of credit, which is 
pretty cool if you're a fan, you know. It would suck if you're not a fan of the Bucks and you're like, I have to spend $1,000 at the Bucks store. What am I going to do? Just buy them out of all their footballs. <laughs> so he gets that. He also got two signed jerseys and helmet from Tom Brady, one signed Mike Evans jersey and his game cleats, two season tickets for the 2021 and 2022 season. That's insane. That's like The value of that is awesome, but that's not even all. Tom Brady himself gave this fan one Bitcoin, okay? A Bitcoin. For those of you who do not know anything about stock values or investments or cryptocurrencies or anything like that, a Bitcoin is worth a lot. It, it, may, it sounds like a little. One Bitcoin. It's like, oh, just a little guy. No. Let's look at the value of the Bitcoin right now as we're recording this podcast. As of this second, as I record this podcast, the value of one Bitcoin is $61,122. But obviously, if you know anything about the stock market is that value can go up and down. So if he sells that Bitcoin right now, it will give him $61,122. Or he can hold on to it and hope that the value of the Bitcoin keeps going up. And it recently just hit a new record high. So what's really crazy is that just a year ago, a year ago today, the value of the Bitcoin was like $11,000. And it's obviously gone up by more than five times that. And so the fact that this dude has a Bitcoin and it could go and go and go up to a higher value and he can cash it in for an insane amount of money blows my mind. Uh, if it were me, you know, I've got student loans. I would totally just, I would sell that Bitcoin on the marketplace so fast. I would wire that money into my bank account. I would let it sit there for just a little bit just so that I know it was real. And then I would pay off all my student debts, pay off all my credit card debts. I'd pay off my car. I would be set, man. Like my quality of life would go so through the roof if I had that. So, you know, I wonder how much that fan paid to have that front row seat at that Tampa Bay game. But whatever it was, the return on that investment was very, very high. So not only does this guy get to have the opportunity to cash in a Bitcoin for a hell of a lot of money, but he also has a great start to a sports memorabilia collection if he didn't have one already. And that actually brings me to what I think is going to be the question of this week's podcast. That question is, what is your coolest piece of sports memorabilia? I encourage you to go to bsb2l.info slash message. That's bsb, the number two, l, dot info slash message. So you can submit your voice message there. I may or may not play that in the next episode, and then I'll answer the question in the next episode next week. So please go ahead and do that. We're going to take a time out here, hear a little bit from our sponsors, and then I'll answer the question from episode number six. All right, time out. All right, y'all. So before we dive into the second half of this episode where we talk about cheating in sports, let me answer the question from episode six of Underdog Mentality, okay? The question that I asked you last week was, in your day-to-day job, how are you expanding your skill set to blur the lines of what that position is supposed to be? What makes you a quote-unquote unicorn at your job? I encourage you to send a voice message, and I've yet to have anybody submit, which is totally fine. You know, I don't want to guilt trip anybody. One of these days, we'll have a whole bunch of submissions, and we'll be able to create a whole new segment of the podcast based on your submissions, and we can, you know, be like story time. I think it'd be a lot of fun. But anyways, my answer to that question is this. 
So I am a, uh, I'm trained as a graphic designer, but I also know how to code. That's my first unicorn trait, right? Like I know how to design, but my secret skill is I know how to code the things that I design for, for websites and things of that nature. Uh, any kind of interface really, but that also translates over to print design and that's where the versatility of graphic design comes into play. But I guess I, I kind of said that in the last episode, I sort of described that a little bit, but if I really had to describe my unicorn trait in my job, it's that I, a lot of my skills are hidden by my project management. Um, it's kind of a recent thing of the last couple of years where I've been um, overseeing a lot of different projects of all different kinds of industries, and I've been in contact with the client so I can directly understand what they want to do as far as revisions are concerned and what their vision is in the beginning. Well, you know, sometimes when I go through this process, some people forget that I'm trained as a designer and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm good at what I do and I'm in that project management role for a reason. It's because I'm the best at what I do at my job. And that's not me tooting my horn. I mean, maybe it is, but um, it's just a fact. And so, you know, sometimes I'll be getting, I'll get into a project with, with some clients and, and they will have some, you know, pretty harsh feedback. Like I thought I was dealing with a real designer here when these people are just using buzzwords and, you know, and those kind of things are just like, you know, kind of like a dog when they hear a weird sound, you, you sort of twist the, twist your head and look at them funny, kind of like, did you really just say that to me? You know, that kind of thing. And then I proceed to preach to them about why what we did is so good, why they don't know any better. And obviously saying this in the nicest way possible because I'm not a jerk and you can't do that to clients. So as much as I'd love to, I don't. Um, but then the other part of it too is that because I can code things, when I start doing some of that on the fly in meetings, people are very surprised by that. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm flattered that you're surprised that I can do this, but this is what I've been doing my entire career. So, uh, let's just get at it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So I guess those are my unicorn traits. Um, I definitely encourage you, whatever, you know, field that you're in, always try to cross train, try to learn something new on the job. I think that can be very helpful. And if we want to relate that back to sports, you know, we're talking about bringing sports back to life. Let's go the other way around. Um, like we talked about in a previous episode about big men being able to shoot the three pointer. Um, I think it's important to be able to learn other skills like that because the more you know how to do that, the more difficult it makes it on the defense. But on the other side, you also know how to defend it because you're also creating place for yourself on the other side. So, um, the more you understand positions around yours, the better and more efficient your team can be as a whole. So I always encourage people to cross train on the job, learn other skills that you don't think you're, are going to be up your alley. You never know uh, when it's going to benefit you. So go do that. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Now there are so many different ways to cheat in sports and anytime that there's a competitive aspect to a game, there's always going to be players, coaches, administrations that are trying to find the upper hand one way or another, whether it's legal or not. And just by saying that, it makes me think of basketball when you're cutting through the lane, how so many players get away with just grabbing jerseys by keeping their hands close to their chest. It's very similar to in football. If you're uh, blocking the guy in his chest, they're not going to call a holding penalty unless your hand gets outside of that and you're grabbing on the shoulder pads or inside the collar. Uh, Those kinds of things are like the legal form of having the upper hand. But there are so many other ways that are like, you know, just convoluted ways of getting the upper hand over other teams that um, because you're trying to be so sneaky about it makes it so much more despicable. And 
That's the word I'm going to use for this segment, despicable, because cheating in sports just should not exist. You know, it's all about putting um, a bunch of humans on the same court within the same boundaries with the same rules on the same level of play and seeing who comes out on top. And the moment somebody tries to break the rules or, or cheat, it's kind of like you're, you're breaking the cardinal rule of what sports is all about. And that's being the best at that thing. So if you have to cheat, it's just a very despicable thing. So let's take a look at some of the different ways you can cheat across sports. I think, you know, a lot of people know these things, but there are some simple ways to cheat and there are some complicated ways to cheat. Um, either way, they're still wrong. So let's take a look at a bunch of these here, okay? I mean, we just got done talking about Tom Brady and how he just threw his 600th touchdown. And I know a lot of Tom Brady fans or New England Patriots fans or new Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans uh, might hate me for what I'm about to say, but Tom Brady has been under the microscope for a couple of different situations for cheating. And if you've been in the sports world, you know about these, but Spygate, back in 2007, the the Patriots team was accused of videotaping Jets play call signals. And apparently this was normal for their routine, and so they got away with this somehow. And then in 2015, during the AFC Championship game, there was a thing that got brought up called Deflate Gate, where the Patriots team was accused of using slightly deflated balls uh, so they could have the upper hand when they were on offense. As you could imagine, um, in, in the colder months in the AFC Championship time of the year, uh, you know, a slightly deflated ball can be very helpful. I don't know if you've ever tried to catch a ball that's been slightly frozen from being outside. That thing hurts your hands. Also, if you're trying to throw it, it's really hard to grip it. That thing is slippery. It's basically like a ball of ice. And so by deflating the ball just a little bit, you get a grip on the ball. You can throw the ball. Um, it, you know, it doesn't bounce as much. Obviously, if there's snow on the ground, it's not going to really matter. But um, it's just easier to catch. You can get a grip on it, you know. And I think the way this got brought up is that some defensive players got their hands on a ball while they were, you know, in between plays or something like that. And they're like, something doesn't feel right and raised the question. So um, that was a really big deal. And Tom Brady ended up getting suspended for four games. The team got fined a massive amount of money and they lost some draft picks. So the fact that they actually took action on this, you know, says something about um, whether or not it was real. I mean, if the, the higher ups in the NFL are saying that, yeah, you did this, and, you know, you know that's pretty pretty telling that there was something iffy about it. But, man, that is just one of those, like, very intricate, well-thought-out plans. It's like, oh, what's going to help us win here? Well, you know, what, what sucks is the ball. It's so slippery. What can we do to it? Uh, well, let's just – let's have our equipment guy slightly deflate them. Like, you know, we'll say that that's the, the amount of PSI that we like in our balls. And he'll be like, okay, not knowing any different. And then we'll just win because we, we did that for our balls. So, yeah. You know, I, I, that's just so sneaky. And the same thing with the Spygate thing, the fact that somebody brings that up. I mean, I feel like videotaping play call signals, that that just seems wrong. Um, and that kind of alludes to another story I'm about to talk about. And you maybe, you know, maybe the title of this episode gave it away. But let, let's look at other sports and other ways of cheating. Because I think it's very fascinating. You know, it's kind of like, and I know I, this is going to sound weird, but, you know, people who like to watch documentaries on serial killers it's fascinating but what they're doing is so wrong even if they're a vigilante killer like dexter that's still so wrong but dexter is such a great tv show um but like looking at the ways of cheating in sports like you can't really compare those right like cheating in sports and murdering people obviously two very different things two different ball games there 
Um, but let's look at different ways of cheating. It's very, it's fascinating to me what people will go, what, what extent people will go to, to try and win a game. I mean, obviously there's a lot more on the line in the professional level, but you know, anyways, here we are. (laughs) So another form of cheating would be performance enhancing drugs. We know about this and this comes in many forms. You know, I instantly think about, uh, baseball and steroids. That's like the major performance enhancing drug in baseball. Look at Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco. Um, also, I do have to say one quick shout out. Jose Canseco played for my local minor league team back in the day when he was coming up uh, before he made it to the major league. So that's pretty sweet. It was either the the Idaho Falls Braves or the Idaho Falls Padres. Probably the Braves because the Braves came before any other team. But uh, anyways, so yeah, performance enhancing drugs is such as steroids. I do have to say though, on the on the baseball front, you could be taking steroids, and you know to get strength to hit home runs and stuff like that, because that's what those guys did, especially Barry Bonds. That dude is my favorite player growing up. But you still have to know how to hit a baseball, you know, so that you know you have the strength, sure, but do you have the the hand eye coordination and the quickness and the read to be able to hit a ball out of the park that easily with that much strength? I mean. Sure, you got to get the right trajectory on it and all that. I'm not a baseball player, but I feel like there's a little more skill involved than just strength. So, you know, I'm not a, I don't know, I'm not a baseball player. I'm not, I don't, I've also never taken steroids, so how am I supposed to know? Um, also, on the, as far as PEDs are concerned, uh, Josh Gordon, I'm looking at you. I, I have to say weed or marijuana, anything like that is not a PED. Come on now. I mean, all right, well, I have to be honest. I've never had an enhancing experience while uh, under that kind of influence. But I have seen people who have had an enhancing experience while under that kind of influence. So maybe that's the kind of enhancement they're talking about, um, having the extra focus. But how is that any different from taking Ritalin, you know, if you are if you have troubles focusing? So I don't know. They, that, that's kind of a blurry line, in my opinion. Obviously, that's getting more legalized in, other, in different states. And if you're a team that it, that functions in that state, um, are you able to take advantage of that? Obviously, it depends on the league rules, um, which is probably why the NFL is always cracking down on Josh Gordon. Like, yeah, it's legal where you are, bro, but stop. <laughs> now, staying on the baseball track, there's obviously corked bats. There have obviously been several players that have been accused of this. I think Sammy Sosa was one of those. And that's one of those like obvious ones, you know, like if there's cork in the middle of your bat and you connect with that thing the right way, it's going to snap. And that one piece of wood in the middle is going to go flying and the ump's going to be like, yeah, we got you, bud. Uh, So that's that's an easy one. Then there's like shaving points. This is kind of like the real, you know, personal gain. Like I'm it's all about me. I'm trying to you got to be in some real dark spaces, I feel like, to be a point shaver. And what that means is like you're, you're purposely as a player or a coach, whatever position, but ultimately you are trying to alter the outcome of the game for financial gain. And in a lot of instances, this is kind of caught because players uh, are betting on games and these games they might be a part of. And so they, they're able to like alter the outcome of the game to get a win. I, th- I think that's kind of the same idea as point shaving, but um, Pete Rose is the one guy that comes to mind. I know he's like an analyst or at least has been in the past. Uh, and it's very interesting that he's in that kind of role after having such a big, big time story about him cheating back in the day in sports. And another one that I can almost guarantee happens across the board 
is something like paying college recruits under the table to get them to come to your team. That's an obvious form of cheating, at least in the sports world. As a coach or an athletic director, you are essentially financially coercing these young adults, these 18-year-olds, maybe even 17-year-olds, and even getting their parents to agree to it by giving them money to have them come and play for your team. And you know, a lot of the bigger schools already have a ton of money for recruiting. If you can't sell them on your, your own persona, your own character as a coach, and you can't get them to come to your school because of your accreditation and, and your accomplishments, why do you need that extra money to try and give them under the table to get them to come to your team? I mean, obviously, it's a highly competitive atmosphere getting the best athletes on your team uh, to make for a better program and therefore get better up, up more, even more better athletes down the road because you've had this athlete and that one and the other. So it's, it's an obvious scheme. I think everybody knows that happens, but uh, let's talk about these Astros, though. They're in the World Series right now. This is the point I've been trying to get to. The, the Houston Astros are in the World Series again, and I love seeing the memes that are coming out of this because there's a little orange dot over the city of Houston, and then the entire United States is all blue. Uh, and I find that hilarious, but it's kind of true. It kind of speaks to the, the idea that cheating in sports should just be, it's just despicable. It's not allowed. It is the, the cardinal rule you do not break. And I'm going to quote this website because it's easy. It's called Bola VIP. Uh, they have just a really good top 30 worst cheaters in sports history, and one of them is the 2017 Houston Astros. Okay, the 2017 Houston Astros, we they were you know they were great. They crushed teams when they were at home. That's basically what they say in this first paragraph. Then it says, however, former Astros pitcher Mike Fears recently revealed that the team was stealing signs with a scheme created by Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran. They were heavily fined, but players involved received immunity from the league for their cooperation. MLB didn't take the championship away from them, but they did suspend Alex Cora, A.J. Hinch, and Jeff Luno. So, you know, they they still got to reap the rewards of winning a championship, even though they were caught cheating. And you can look at, like, Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush had some some titles taken away from him, like a Heisman Trophy and stuff like that. Um, And they've since changed the, the circumstances around it you know, somebody getting that taken away and he's been talking about getting that trophy back from them. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know all the details on that right now, but the fact that the the Astros were able to win that championship, even though they were cheating and this scheme is a very weird one. Like they had uh, people in the stadium banging on a trash can to signal what pitch was coming up next so that the, their team could know what to expect and hit the ball out of the park or get a hit on it or, you know, play that ball in the right area of the field and so you know that's obviously like a a big deal they were caught for that they were guilty of that and they still got the championship and here they are in the world series a little bit later i think only three or four of the players exist from that team from 2017 on this team now um altuve being one of them and you know people still hate them because one of the guys at the helm is still on the team the guy one of the guys who was involved in orchestrating this thing and so naturally the whole world wants the houston astros to lose everybody's rooting for the atlanta braves and i i am here for it and actually i started recording this episode when that first game was just finishing up the braves put the beat down on the astros in game one in houston 
which is a pretty big deal. And they were ahead of them early. So pretty cool to see. I mean, you never want to see a cheating team win. And I'm not saying that this 2021 Houston Astros team is a cheating team, but there is a history there. And that was it's recent enough that people are not going to forget about it that quickly. So you're going to have to deal with those fans, Houston Astros, and also Houston Astros fans. You're going to have to deal with that. And, you know, if you stand behind your team, you stand behind them strong. So I'm very excited to see how this seven-game series turns out. Uh, you know, I don't really watch a lot of baseball until post-game play. And so I'm going to try to catch as many minutes of that as possible, even though I am going up to Moscow this coming weekend for like three days. Oh, and one more thing I wanted to mention before I let you guys go. I know I've mentioned Symbol in the past, but man, this thing is getting really exciting. So uh, this is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. So with the NBA season tipping off, I went and bought one virtual share in my Lakers because I know they're a team that's going to get some wins this year. And I also bought a virtual share in a you know what I call my dark horse, my team that I think might get a few wins along the way, but I think at the end of the year, they're going to be a lot more valuable. And what what you can do is you can sell that stock, that virtual share in that team when they're more valuable, take that cash, put it in your portfolio, and reinvest it in other teams that will get you wins. The best thing about it is that you can put your sports knowledge to the test and also put it to work and make some money doing it by you know buying some virtual shares in teams you know are going to win or you know are going to be worth a lot more in the long run letting that value build up over time, and then selling it when the price is high. And another reason why I'm pushing this is that I can get you a deposit bonus. If you just go to symbol, like S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot app, A-P-P, slash abstract, you'll get a $10 bonus when you make your first deposit. That's symbol dot app slash abstract. And make sure you use the promo code abstract. That will give you a $10 bonus on your first deposit Go and buy a virtual share in a team. You know, basketball season just tipping off. I think that's a good opportunity to make a little bit of cash in the short term. Then maybe uh, pick a dark horse team and cash in that virtual share at the end of the season when their value is higher. Or hold on to it over a couple of seasons and see what happens. Man, I think that does it for episode seven of Underdog Mentality. Wow, we had quite a bit of a roller coaster here talking about how we're so excited that all the sports are around. And then we started talking about how that one Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan made out like a bandit with a Bitcoin from Thomas Bradley, uh, a.k.a. Tom Brady. Also, all the sports memorabilia. Very cool. Do not forget to submit your voice message, by the way. Go to BSB2L. That's like bring sports back to life, but two is the number two. Dot info. And one more time, that's BSB2L.info slash message. That will pull up our podcast on anchor.fm and it will prompt you to leave a voice message. So please send us an answer to the question regarding your coolest piece of sports memorabilia. And I know I've got a cool story for that one. So I hope you guys participate for this one so we can turn it into a segment. Dang it. Anywho, I'm your host, Kyle Clay Richards. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at kyleclay.com spelled out. That's Kyle Clay. D-O-T-C-O-M. And thank you so much for taking a minute to listen. I hope you enjoyed it. And you know what? You should probably just subscribe now. You can find us on any of your favorite podcasting outlets like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and more. And if you have a topic suggestion or a question you'd like me to answer on the show, you can tweet at me. Again, that's at KyleClay.com or go to AbstractSports.com. 
go to the podcast page and fill out the form at the bottom there. In the meantime, stay safe out there and be positive. Always be kind and I'll catch you in the next one.